You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. We believe that education is the solution to help combat misinformation, and educators are on the front line of that fight. Coming to you from Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Here's something to think about. A new study from Pew Research Center finds that those who rely most on social media for political news tend to be less likely than other news consumers to closely follow major news stories. And perhaps related, they tend to be less knowledgeable about things like coronavirus and the 2020 election. But they are more likely than other Americans to have heard about false or unproven claims. And Who among us are most likely to rely most on social media for news? Younger folks, people who are less likely to be white, and those with lower levels of education. So how do we help young people, all people, sort fact from fiction? And how do we encourage more curiosity about what we're seeing, from whom, and to what end? This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. As I was doing my homework for this episode, which often involves a lot of reading and thinking about all the questions I have on a particular topic, I was really struck at how hard distinguishing fact from fabrication feels right now, when truth can seem even stranger than fiction. And that sent me off to find the originator of that line, truth is stranger than fiction, which turned out to be an object lesson in sourcing. Was it Lord Byron, Mark Twain, both? When? In what publication? What did they say exactly? And in what context? I found my way eventually to quote investigator, which seemed quite authoritative. But then I wanted to be sure that site was legit. About four layers in, I realized I was doing exactly what the News Literacy Project would have hoped I would do. I was taking a moment to check my sources, consider their agendas, check their sources and citations. Loyal listeners may remember the News Literacy Project. Back in early 2017, I interviewed Wakefield High School's U.S. government teacher, Patricia Hunt, about her experience working with Checkology a news literacy project initiative that helps educators equip their students with the tools to evaluate and interpret the news and to learn how to decide what news and other information to trust, share, and act on. You can find that conversation on my website. It's a great discussion, and I was thrilled but not surprised when the News Literacy Project selected Patricia for the first ever Educator of the Year Award earlier this year. Check it all out. So early 2017 seems like such a long time ago and incredibly, comparatively simple. As the stuff that comes at us has gotten more and more heated and complex, I thought it might be a good time to circle back to my friends at the News Literacy Project for a check-in. The News Literacy Project is a nonpartisan national education nonprofit that provides programs and resources for educators and the public to teach, 
learn, and share the abilities needed to be smart, active consumers of news and information, and to be equal and engaged participants in a democracy. They work, as they say, for a future founded on facts. My guest, Ebony Rice, is VP of the News Literacy Project's Educator Network. She has spent her career scaling up campaigns and programs in the pursuit of equal access for all, most recently with the likes of Enroll Now, a nonprofit created to ensure that members of often underserved communities were able to enroll for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act, as well as at the City of Los Angeles Department of Recreation and Parks, Golden Girl Media, BET Networks, and the International Black Women's Public Policy Institute. Now, she's turning her considerable talents to embedded news literacy into the American education experience. And thank goodness for that. So welcome, Ebony. Thank you so much, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. I am really excited to be speaking with you today. Oh, it's really a pleasure to have you. And congratulations on finding your way to the News Literacy Project. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, This is such important work, especially now. And uh, I consider myself very fortunate to uh, be able to be a part. So how does one embed news literacy into the American education experience? What's your charge? Yeah. So the Educator Network itself is a digital engagement virtual platform that really takes all of the experiences and resources and tools that NLP has learned and built over the years and really allows it to be housed on this online platform. All of our educator resources will be housed on this online platform. And the really cool thing that we're doing, it's like we've we've engaged 27,000 teachers across the country yeah, so far. Amazing. So now the question is, what do we do with them? These are educators who are excited about our work. They are educators who use Checkology, which is our virtual online classroom. These are educators who are signed up for our newsletters. They're, They're folks who have heard the call and answered to teach news literacy. And and also a lot of them have been doing this for a long time. And we kind of are just coming alongside of them, offering support and resources to help them. And so what my charge is in building the network is to mobilize these educators on the ground. Um, Our work at NLP is really to help people discern fact from fiction in the news and any other information they consume. And we believe that starts in education. We believe that education is the solution to help combat misinformation and educators are on the front line of that fight. So our charge is to equip them, to support them, to mobilize them, and to really give them any tools and resources they need to take them in front of our students and in front of the young people who are really shaping what the world is going to be looking like. And so that's what we're hoping to achieve. And we're doing that one classroom, one lesson, one city, one state at a time. And then you've launched this program of ambassadors, including one here in the D.C. area. That's I don't know, like an amplification of that uh, support system behind that. Tell me more about that. Sounds wonderful. We actually just closed applications for the ambassador program. We were looking for ambassadors in key cities to build our local footprint uh, for regional organizing efforts in the fight against misinformation. And so really 
we were asking educators who are in these key cities, and the cities are Los Angeles, the San Francisco Bay Area, Seattle, Denver, Houston, Chicago, New York City, Washington, D.C., and Miami, Florida. We were asking for educators in those communities to fill out an application. Um, These are educators who are kind of already actively engaged in news literacy education, either through our Checkology virtual classroom program or um, maybe in other ways that we're unaware of to apply to be a part of this program. And we want to equip them with talking points. We want to give them resources. We want to really help them to expand news literacy education wherever they are in their cities and and to influence their local neighborhoods and their, their surrounding districts and regions. Uh, So these are these are folks who are kind of already engaged in the work and we're just going to come alongside them and support them. And this is really a way to get NLP's message into communities all across the country. I think I might have to follow up with the D.C. ambassador in a couple of months. Yeah, (laughs) I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking. So what will success look like? I mean, if this is everything that you hope it will be, what will it look? What will that look like? Well, we're playing the long game. So. We know that embedding news literacy in the American education experience is not an overnight feat. This isn't going to you know, happen in the next school year, but success will look like in places where maybe NLP's message has not yet reached, that we're able to reach educators in those places. And not just because we're saying, hey, Checkology is great and news literacy education is great, but because they have the experiential experiences and testimonies of other educators who are trusted, who they know, who they can kind of reach out and touch, who are teaching their same different demographic of students, who are endorsing our programs, who are endorsing our message, and who are really letting them know how important this message is. We're excited that the message will be able to resonate in communities that we may not have gotten to reach yet. So success looks like NLP being talked about, our our resources being used in in reaching students that we previously have not had access to in very specific communities um, in regions across the country. So I'm also wondering what the shift to many, if not most, school systems having kids at home and not co-located, at least for the short term, if not the long term, what impact do you see that having and has that changed how you think about who you're bringing along? I mean, is there a is there a parent component in all of this too? Well, actually, we've just expanded our resources to include the general public. So we don't just have resources for educators now, but we have resources for everyone and that includes parents. And I think given the state of the world right now, our Checkology virtual platform was kind of really uniquely positioned to be able to speak to classrooms that are in person, that are doing kind of this hybrid model, and then also strictly virtual online learning experiences. And so we built a platform that's been able to withstand any of these scenarios that we couldn't have predicted, but now find ourselves in. And we've made it free to the public, free to educators. So Checkology now 
getting rid of the pay barrier has the opportunity to really go into homes, not just classrooms, but right. go into people's homes. And as students are learning, you know, we're hoping that they are sharing with their parents and they are sharing with their friends. So if their friends aren't learning it in, in their classrooms, that they can really advocate for news literacy education on their own behalves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, for me, the, the tie-in here is the curiosity, right? That people stop yes. and pause about who's, where am I getting this information? You know, what what am I supposed to be thinking or feeling in response to this? And this is precisely what Czechology and some of your other kind of tips and tools do. I mean, I would describe them as curiosity practices, right? Places where you take a pause and ask a question about about the information that you're receiving. And I was really struck on one that you did about sanitize before you share on the COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just, I, I mean, I, let me just say, let me just say, you know, <laughs> they say we are what we eat. And I thought, you know, NLP has this whole focus about what we consume and yes. it's not about what we eat, but it's what we consume as news and information. And we are what we consume. So you all have these yeah. kind of healthy eating habits. <laughs> <laughs> I like that so much. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this good info hygiene and the very diet. Sure. I mean, like, Y'all are like nutritionists for the news age. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I've never said that, but I'll start introducing myself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, I think I, I think it, it's so important. It's so important. You know, today's young people are just inundated with information. Yeah. All people, you and I are inundated with information. There's nothing to, you know, turn on your computer or your TV and just see all types of messages because the day and age we live in, everyone has a platform and everyone has an opinion and a, and a voice. And so the sanitize, sanitize your news feeds, there's really four steps to it. And I think this is really important because any of us can do this and should be doing this. It's, it's really the responsible thing to do because I think what sometimes we don't realize is that we can be the news sources in our spheres of influences, yeah. in our families. You know, I often will share something, you know, with my parents or with my friends, a social media post or something that I saw that I found interesting. And so because I'm the one sharing it and I'm a trusted voice in my family and a trusted voice among my friends, I have to be responsible for the information that I'm sharing to ensure that I'm not spreading misinformation, even unknowingly, and, and then further causing harm to people that I love and care about. So I think we really have to think about the impact of the things that we share. And so this sanitizing, <laughs> this sanitizing process really looks like this in four really simple steps. And so the first step is to pause. When you see something, uh, especially now, there's so much being shared that is really written to evoke emotions. So when you see something that causes a very strong emotion in you, whether that's anger or fear or sadness, whatever it is, if it's if it's evoking an emotion to just take a minute and and think it over before you share, wait until you're calm and you're not in the in that emotional state that you're in. And literally sometimes it just takes a couple of seconds to just pause before you press that share button or before you yourself send that that uh, tweet. Mm -hmm. And then the mm -hmm. second thing here is to glance through the comments. And this is my favorite because 
I think that there's kind of this term on social media about don't read the comments because sometimes the comments can just be polarizing. There's arguments in comments. Like it, it can just be a, a, a bit much to read through the comments. But one of the things that we say is maybe check out the comments because a lot of times people have already fact-checked for you. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. people have already commented saying, hey, this actually isn't true or this actually isn't real. I saw this picture 10 years ago and it's not how they're describing it. So a lot of times the internet is quick. So people <laughs> have already done the work for you. They've already fact-checked them. They've already called them out. They put their own resources in there so you can check for yourself if you're reading it. So it doesn't hurt to just glance through the comments. If you see something, if you see a photo or something that looks like a piece of news information, before you decide to share, just glance through the comments and see if others have already determined that it was misinformation. And that'll just save you. You know, I was really glad that you included this one because I'm one of those people that tends not to glance through the comments, you know, because sure. I think it's just going to, my working assumption is everybody will have, you know, dug in already yes. and I won't, I won't actually learn anything. I'll just take my blood pressure. Up. Exactly. But, exactly. but see yeah. this, this is a curiosity practice. This is the, you know, take a moment, actually look through, maybe people have actually done this work or thinking about it in some interesting ways. Don't go down the rabbit holes. Don't go. I was just going to say that I caution you to not, you know, you don't have to read arguments back and forth. Please protect your health. Don't do that. This is coming from your NLP nutritionist. Do not. (laughs) But certainly you'll see, I actually just saw a tweet this morning from a friend and they tweeted something and then I clicked the comments and someone said, oh, this actually is satire. They didn't really mean it like that. Here's the full, here's a larger interview. And don't you see that all the time where there's an hour long interview and then someone takes 15 seconds of it and plays that 15 seconds out of context. And then, yep. you know, there's this entire argument about what they meant to say, but they were like joking. And if you just listened a little longer, you would have, you know, gotten the rest of the conversation. So I was really grateful to see that because I actually did watch the full interview and it was wonderful and very interesting. But without that, that could have influenced my thinking just in that one 15 second clip. So read, right. read the comments sometimes. I, I am living proof that it is, it can be fruitful and beneficial. <laughs> and then, and then the third thing, just in the sanitizing process is to do quick research. I loved your, your intro Lynn about you doing your own research. And I think this seems daunting and it seems like it can take a while, but just going into the search bar and quickly looking for sources of the information. So maybe you want to type in a quote that you saw in an article or you want to reverse Google image search a photo. That's probably my favorite. I do it all the time just to make sure that Mm -hmm. it is the location and the time and date that people are saying that it is. And all of those things that it's not Photoshopped, any of any of those kinds of things. So just do quick research. It literally takes seconds to do. And you would find a million sources probably that come up that can help, you know, verify if what you're about to share or comment on is actually what people are claiming that it is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, I always, I find it interesting actually to do that. It is another rabbit hole. You can always risk going down the rabbit hole again, but... But if, as you say, you really take seriously your responsibility about the well-being of people who trust you, then it's a small price to pay, right? It's a small price to pay. It's a small price to pay to take that moment 
And I love this idea of thinking about it as sort of taking good care of the people you love who trust you. So you pause, you glance through the comments, oh, and then you do the research and the fourth step. Ask for the source. It's, it's oh, really, cool. that's not a controversial, I have done it before. It's not a controversial thing to do when someone, you know, posts something and you're like, hey, where'd you get this from? Normally people are happy to send you the, the article or send you the full link, the full video, whatever it is. I've done it before and someone asked me where I got something from and I've shared it. And, but then it reminds me like, oh, I should have shared the source in the actual in the actual tweet or the actual Facebook post, whatever it is. So something that I saw that you had, you gave an interview someplace else recently, and you were talking about, you know, what's the, where's it coming from? What's the agenda that, but also inward in terms of search your feelings. How does this information make me feel? And I thought this was such an interesting insight. Would you talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a really important one because of the times that we're living in where your your social media feed can get, and there's tons of research on this, but can give you anxiety. It can really evoke a lot of fear just depending on the types of things that you read or follow or the people that you you know read or follow. And that can just be really emotional. And so when you are mm-hmm. thinking about sharing something and you're going through your timeline and you're working your way through your news feeds, even from really credible sources, even from celebrities, even from people who have a lot of likes in this huge following, it is important to check your own emotions as it relates to this thing. Because if something, you know, you may read something and it validates a very strong feeling or belief that you have and misinformation loves this. It loves to hide mm-hmm. in our, our, in, in prey on sometimes our feelings to our sacred values to things that we hold very dear to, to us, our beliefs, our, our religion. And so if we aren't careful then we read something and it speaks to something that we deeply already believe without checking it, then you share it. And again, the, the, what we have to kind of keep in mind is that there is an impact on the other side of that share button. And there's an impact on even the other side of that like button. And I don't want to sound, you know, put a lot of pressure on folks. There's already enough pressure on, on people. But what I do want to kind of hone in is this idea that it is, it is our responsibility to, think of our platforms as our voices that reach people. And so what what are you saying to them? And is what you're saying true? Or were you driven by emotion and you shared something out of anger or out of fear or whatever the emotion was, and then further caused anger and fear in someone else and the information wasn't true? Well, it also seems like, you know, if we have a strong reaction it may well, unless it's surprise, <laughs> it may well be just fitting confirmation bias, exactly. right? You know, there's the righteous indignation or rage or whatever. But this idea that we might allow ourselves to be surprised by news, it kind of goes back to something you all talk about, about being informable, Let's be open to new information and not just dig in on our feelings and prior beliefs. That's that that's right? right. That's right. And we have an yeah. we have an app by the same name. It's our free mobile app. Um it's actually the first news literacy learning tool of its kind. It's really cool. Before I started actually I downloaded Informable and it really kind of just helps you 
to understand not just what news literacy is, but what misinformation is and and how it can be spread and shared. And so I highly encourage anyone listening to download the Informable app to be informed. It's a great resource and, and kind of really stretches you to consider things that you may not have considered before. Because the truth is we typically follow and listen to people who sound like us or look like us who are sharing the types of things that we want to hear. And so it's, um, it's all of these resources are just a really great way to unearth the truth. And that's it. Well, I love the fact that you've made it something people can have in their pockets. Yeah. That's yeah. Very, if you're just kind of hanging out cool. at the doctor's office or whatnot, and you want to just do something really quickly, you can pull it out, uh, kind of poke around in the app a little bit. It's, it's just really cool. It's a great tool. Well, before I let you go, are you game for my big jar of wannabe analysis? I am. I'm really excited. About yeah, okay. This. Okay. <laughs> Oh, good. Not everybody has that reaction. Okay, so I have this, literally this big jar. I'm going to take out three slips of paper, one for you, one for me, and one for our audience. And yours is fire. How is curiosity like fire? And mine is exhaust fan. How is curiosity like an exhaust fan? Okay, what well, do you want to go first or you want I'll me to go? I'll go first. I love this. All right. Okay. Go ahead. How is curiosity like fire? Curiosity is like fire because it only takes one small instance to spark curiosity in everyone and everything around you. Ah, you just rock this. (laughs) Very nice. I love it. I love it. Okay. How is curiosity like an exhaust fan? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say that curiosity is like an exhaust fan because um, you know it sort of sucks up all of um, the the smoke and the humidity and everything else that's coming from maybe the cooking or anything else that's going on, and it it channels it. Um, and I think curiosity sort of sucks stuff up and and finds ways to channel what's often kind of diffuse and dispersed and. Um, and then sends it back out into the universe. I don't know. And I follow you. I follow you. Audience, yours is, how is curiosity like a pocketbook? Hmm, I don't know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. How is curiosity like a pocketbook? Well, Ebony, this has gone way too fast. I do think I need to check back with the DC ambassador in a couple of months and to hear how that's gone. But thank you so much for joining me It today. has been my pleasure. And I would love to connect you with the DC ambassador. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, Check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your pocketbook analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Ebony Rice. Check out more from the News Literacy Project on my website, along with that Pew Research and my interview with Patricia. Check out the SIFT, NLP's weekly newsletter for educators, which sorts through recent rumors, hoaxes, and other misinformation to bring you the best teachable moments in news literacy. 
Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Three Stories by Skittle via Blue Dot Sessions. So remember, when you hear or see something, pause for a moment and allow a sliver of curiosity to slip in and take hold. See how that influences what you think and do next. I hope you'll join me again next time, and until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.